Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I can't hear myself too well, so I'm going to take out one of my earbuds. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Hello and welcome to sex time. Welcome to sex time. We've never been sadder in our lives. Oh boy. I am going to be doing my nails while we're doing this because um, that is one of the things in my life that I have found really relaxes me and um, keeps me away from the evil thoughts of death and ideation thereof. Yeah. I am just uh, watching our timer on the app take away seconds of my life. Um, For those who are watching, listening to us um, on the day this actually comes out, we're recording on the day that uh, Justice Kennedy has uh, announced his retirement. Um, So we're facing the inevitability of a Trump, another Trump Supreme Court nomination. Um, and probably the erosion of all of our reproductive rights. Yes, the foundations of Gilead have been laid today. Can you hear my um, foil? Yeah, really well. (laughs) I have to wrap my gel with uh, acetone-soaked cotton pads in uh, foil to get it off. We have different hobbies you know what um we respect each other which is important mm-hmm. you respect me don't say it like a demand i say it like it's probably not true <laughs> um so badger yeah how's it going it's pretty bad um my iud has another 10 years on it so i've got paragard and uh, I don't bang, so um, there is always the possibility that I'm going to need to get emergency contraceptive due to sexual assault, though. So we're all smiles here. Yeah, I think I'm going to go get some Plan B now that I have insurance, just yeah. to have it. I have um, put out this uh, offer before that if I know anyone who can't get birth control i'll go ahead and i'll get i'll get a prescription of oral contraceptives and i will give it to them um because i don't need it and i know i can get it prescribed and i'll um stock up on plan b if necessary but um just because myself probably doesn't mean i can't help someone and i want to get pregnant just to have an abortion to send pieces of it to all the republican congressmen you and I are so different. Well, I'll, you know, I'll give people plan B. As well as that. So, um, what else is there to say right now? Uh, in the face of everything, we keep doing this silly podcast. You know... I I want to think that people are intrigued by the subject matter and then stay for the um, intelligent discourse on pertinent issues. Maybe. I mean, I guess this is a kind of art. It's definitely like a it's, kind of art. Yeah. And that's 
That's something that we can't let the fascists take from us, no matter how silly it is. Definitely. <clears throat> I don't think this is silly. I think the premise was silly. But I think the way that we actually practice this is not. Mm, I'd want some external feedback. <laughs> you, it, it seems that people, a few people out there genuinely like it. I just don't know why. Because you and I are great. <sighs> you know that. Well, the fascists can't take this podcast yet. Yet. And when I saw the Mountain Goats last year, when they broke out into Broom People, which is my favorite song by the Mountain Goats, I was so excited. And I thought, this is something that the fascists can never take from me, this moment. Yeah. For those of you who um, are familiar with The Handmaid's Tale, basically all media is gone because women aren't allowed to read and there's no internet and there's no books or music or really anything that anybody gets to enjoy. So keep sacred in your mind all of these things that you love because who the hell knows what's going to happen next. And I am using some of my my precious, precious days to watch a terrible show that is called Sex in the City. You watch it because you love me. But I don't love it. I know. But I love, I love how you uh, feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, should we talk about the depictions of domestic abuse? Let's shall. So we are talking about a season two, episode two, called The Awful Truth, um, in which uh, a uh, friend of Carrie's, it turns out, has got a very tumultuous marriage because her husband is verbally abusive. And Carrie um, gives advice that she later questions whether or not she should have that, like, if it's not going to get better, maybe you should just leave. Which, check me if I'm wrong, that is the advice you should have given. Yeah, that, uh, that seemed like good advice. It was dismaying to hear her freaked out that her friend was actually in a better place after she left her husband. So you um, have, for a few days now told me that you wanted to talk about this episode in a very specific way. So I want you to just go ahead and talk about it as freely as you want to. I don't have my stats in front of me because I got home tonight and I just sat there and was sad and now we're doing this. But So it takes on average seven times of leaving an abusive partner for it to actually stick seven yes seven times um because what we what we see in this episode is uh kind of the full cycle of abuse so the cycle of abuse is um the creation of tension acting out in some way and then the honeymoon period where the the abuser is very sorry and they'll do better and they only did it because like you just made them so crazy because they love you so much and flowers and uh and the whole nine uh and actually every part 
of the cycle of abuse is a manipulation because the abuser knows that they're going to continue to abuse. They have made that choice that that's who they've, they've decided to be. Uh, and it is the, I'm going to say eventual survivor who is being manipulated at, at every stage, uh, made to feel like it's their fault that it's this way, uh, made to feel like they're foolish for staying and foolish if they want to leave. Um, so you really see, see a lot of this verbal and emotional abuse in this exchange where, um, this woman is with Carrie in, in this woman's home and they're like laughing about a scarf because it is sex in the city. And this guy comes out and starts just freaking out uh, about Carrie being there. And he's on London time and he's got to get up in three hours. And he's like scrunch face screaming uh, at Carrie to get out and at his wife for having company over in her home after 10 p.m. So that it's kind of played off later in the show as, oh, that's just their dynamic, which is very... I, I just don't know why the writers of the show made the choices that they did with this episode. And to add to that, Carrie even engages in the idea that it could be their foreplay this kind of aggression is just a, a theater for them to get uh, arousal. Yeah. And it's not. And you see more emotional abuse when they do a smash cut to uh, the woman leaving her husband. Was it a smash cut or was she just like relating the story? I think she related it when they were like in a candy shop and she talks about how he says, I'll be married again in a year and you'll be alone forever and that sort of thing. Yeah. So really devaluing the the uh, abusee's emotional state and, you know, it's a really common tactic with abusers that what I did was your fault and uh, nobody is going to love you but me. Mm-hmm. Uh, or contrary-wise, like, oh, nobody else is, you're, you're so strong, nobody else is strong enough to, to help me get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very just dismaying that Carrie sees this in action, says something about it, and later regrets it, not because her friend is kind of loud and annoying and is now staying on her couch, uh, but because she she values the idea of that marital unification more than her friend's well-being. And she faces some criticism from the other gals and the, uh, the four main, main characters because they, they said Are you there? Yeah, uh, sorry, I had an alarm go off. <laughs> I forgot about. Um, uh, they are critiquing her for giving that advice because it's a lose-lose. Because either she leaves her husband and that's your fault because you gave her the idea. Or if she stays with him, then she knows what you actually think about the situation and she can't like look you in the eye anymore. Yeah. And none of those 
sees the the woman as like an individual worth defending right and i think in situations where you have to confront a friend about i think that there might be a situation at hand that you should leave um that the social costs of actually making those statements are worth it they they are worth it um and they don't acknowledge that no and you know sometimes it's it can damage a relationship to tell someone that you uh, can see that they're in a, an abusive situation because where that person might be is is in a at the point of like really doubling down and defending the relationship uh so you do risk some social capital mm-hmm. if, if that happens but if you are i don't want to say anything in terms of absolutes but most likely if you are a consistent friend and you say your piece and just have an open-ended offer to help uh, make a safety plan, uh, keep a spare set of car keys for your friend, um, small practical things, maybe like help them open a separate bank account uh, and, and just put those things on the table even if your friend is not not ready to consider the fact that this might not be a normal relationship. Um, Cause if you frame it as, as being in the relationship and waiting for a chance to get out as a choice, then you also frame getting out of the relationship as a choice instead of these are just things that are happening to you that are bad. And I think that it's also important to, Say something, even if you think someone else may have already done so, because I've had the experience where I said something to someone about how I didn't like the dynamic in their relationship. And um, then it was relayed back to me that several people had expressed the same thing, but it was finally after so many people had said something that it became clear. So if you say something, it could lead to someone's preponderance of evidence to help them realize like I am the only one who is is convinced that this is going to work and all of these people in my life who I trust are really concerned about me the more voices the better it can Mm -hmm. it can really make a difference yeah and you know like really make a a safety plan like instead of doubting herself I would like to have seen Carrie say is there any way I can help do you, do you need something? You need me to keep, you know, help you with a separate account, um, have a, a code word or a code phrase. That means it's really bad. Come help me. Uh, did I always say the separate keys? Because uh, abusers only escalate <coughs> and isolate, and that can lead to... Um, you know, somebody's phone being taken and all their contacts deleted or phone and keys being under lock and key so that all your movements are tracked. This guy didn't seem like he was uh, quite that elevated, but he was, I could see it going that way. And I think it's important too that if uh, you create this uh, safety this this place for a person to come to if they want out and then they ultimately go back which they sometimes do that 
you should not uh, penalize the person for doing that. Um, yeah, take seven, seven times. You should and... just continue to offer the support you have offered and remind them that they are a valuable person. Yeah. Yeah. And the seven times thing rings pretty true. If I was in a, a worse situation than this woman on the show was, and I, it was, you know, just wrote cycle of violence, um, you know, tension, <clears throat> excuse me, tension, fight, I leave, uh, honeymoon period, and then slowly or immediately the whole thing would start over again. And there was finally one, one night where I called the police and then I called a friend of mine who I had been in touch with about this and said, I'm ready. And she said, are you really ready to leave? And I said, yes. And I got all my stuff and she came and picked me up. And I think in these situations, it's easy to believe the myth that the person who you're in this relationship with is the only person that cares about you. Um, but that's not true. So there will always be somebody in your circle who's willing to help. Yes. In Portland, we've got call to safety. It is, it used to be the Portland women's crisis line. Now it's more inclusive, uh, to include all gender identities, um, uh, with people of, of all kinds of partnerships, uh, can call call to safety to get resources um, set up with support groups uh, set up with self-care and therapy uh, as well as emergency plans so with that um, how do you feel about the rest of the episode I don't remember very much of it um so Miranda is dating a guy who likes her to talk dirty and she feels very stifled. And then oh, she, yeah, <laughs> I did. I thought that was funny. She ultimately gets over the um, inhibition and then she gets a little too raunchy for him, I guess, because she says that he likes it when she sticks her finger up his ass. And yeah. And he's, he's just appalled, like almost to the point where maybe he doesn't realize it's been happening. Do you think that she actually had done it or that she's just kind of like um, articulating a fantasy? I think that she probably had done it because she seems to be very like one-to-one with what's happening. So he, it's either, it's either not happening or it is happening. And he is just kind of in this like willful denial that that's what actually happened. (laughs) Or he just didn't communicate well and didn't want her to mention that. <laughs> so poor communicators, again, a common theme. <laughs> um, uh, what, what else? Oh, um, Charlotte decides that instead of dating a man, she's going to put all of her energy and feelings into a dog who she leaves home uh, constantly. And then she gets frustrated when the dog wrecks her shit because the dog is left alone in a house for, God knows how many hours a day. And she picked a Jack Russell. Mm-hmm. Very, very high energy dogs. Mm-hmm. Very. I mean, you see them a lot in movies because they're high energy and they're intelligent. They can be trained to do a lot of things. Not a good dog for somebody who's home part time. 
So you should have picked an older dog. And then ultimately that dog goes and lives with the troubled couple and the uh, husband takes his aggression out verbally on the dog instead of his wife, which is super not fair to the dog. And yeah, another huge red flag. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte should not have gotten a pet. If she had gotten a pet, maybe a cat instead. Yeah. Cat would be better. Cats uh, do very well on their own for a long period of time. They are a very uh, solitary animal. They don't require um, being walked in order to use the bathroom so they can, you know, self-regulate. And they tend not to destroy property unless it's my sofa, apparently. So. And you just got that sofa. I know. It's fine. I've just kind of accepted that this is what happens with the uh, realization that cats should not be declawed is that I have um, to replace my furniture every few years. It's, it's the understood cost. Yeah. It's the price of admission. And then it's um, like I have holes in all of my things, clothes, towels, sheets, the laundry bag, blankets, any textile. Not just and not some just, of the paint has been stripped off one of the walls. Not just uh, textiles. Um, I used to pet sit for you um, and your rabbit, who is no longer with us. Pete. None of my books have covers. Um, Pete destroyed a lot of my property. <laughs> Shoes, headphones. Petey was a prince, princess. Yeah. And she was a perfect angel. And she destroyed a lot of my shit. But she did it with big blinky eyes and perfect eyelashes. Yeah, she has such a pretty girl. And a little look on her face like, what? (laughs) Me? Who, me? What? (laughs) Oh, Petey, I miss her. I know. I wish I'd spent more time with her in her last year. You gave these animals such a good life. Anyway, now that we're now that we're even more sad, um, um, we saved a shrew today. Oh yes! So I was sitting at a table, and I saw um, what I thought was a mouse running across the office floor and under the copier. And then uh, another coworker confirmed, "Yep, I saw it too." And then you um, sprung into action. And grabbed one of our coworkers' ta- towels. Um, that she... I would have bought her another one. <laughs> she's not too fussy. I think that she's probably fine with it just being washed. Um, I wasn't a witness to the actual rescue mission. So what did you do after um, you kind of left the area I was in? So uh, the mouse, or it was a shrew. The shrew ran into a locked door directly across from the office door and it couldn't I couldn't get it open so I ran over to um the little box the refrigerator full of keys and grabbed my master set out (laughs) and by the time I had run back with like 50 keys on one ring to try to figure out which one goes to that closet the shrew had run into the main area and the poor little shrew 
was just running like right alongside the wall. He did not want to be in the building. Uh, and I didn't have a towel at that point. I don't know what happened to it. So I unbuttoned my shirt to use my shirt to grab the shrew. And then Elaine came out with uh, like a salad cup, like, like a cup that you put frozen yogurt in Mm -hmm. and a piece of cardboard. So uh, Marceline taught me like some mad skills about for, for dive bombing animals and collecting them safely. So I just threw myself at the ground with this cup and caught the shrew and then put the little cardboard under it and then walked him out to the woods. And you are afraid that you took him to the wrong woods. I'm afraid that I took him to the wrong side of the road. And I was distraught. <laughs> well, if it eases your conscience at all, um, after normal working hours, that road is very, very, very infrequently traveled. So if that true realized, hey, this isn't my neighborhood, there's a very good chance that he figured out how to get where he should go. Yes. They have senses of smell. Not much eyes. He didn't look like he had eyes. So, all is well. Let's believe in our hearts that that's true reunited with his true family. Yes. And you did the humane and good thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know why they have to report it to custodial if there is a shrew or whatever in the office. A shrew is not a pest, though. Like, there's no shrew infestation. But they still need to know if there are animals in spaces there shouldn't be because we work in a hospital. That building is not the hospital. It's still, they tend to make blanket policies for that sort of thing. A shrew is not a pest. Would you like to go argue for his clemency? Maybe. I bet you would, too. (laughs) Um, uh, Do you want to say anything else about the Sex and the City episode? Oh, yeah. Samantha finally. Oh, yeah. Finally came clean about her. Her man's tiny penis. And And his response was... Maybe my penis isn't small. Maybe your vagina is just too big. And then he stops off. And it, while we're dispelling myths and, and shedding some light on truths, um, it is a myth that a woman can get loose. Yes, that is a myth. Yep. Even after childbirth, they spring on back. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely him. Yeah. <laughs> And and she is a therapist who's sympathetic to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sometimes you just need what you need. Yeah. Can you imagine how these women would fare if they could just be honest with each other, with themselves and with their partners? There wouldn't be a show. I was just watching that and thinking they're like we're about the same age as they are in this show. Mm-hmm. And we're not acting like damn fools. Mm-hmm. We're so not putting like, on a, a show of fake weakness or overwrought femininity 
femininity to like impress a man. And we're not spending our, we're not doing any self-destructive shopping. Well, speak for yourself. Well, you're doing less self-destructive shopping. Also, your self-destructive shopping is like ordering small things on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You're not going out to multiple stores and then coming home holding multiple big bags. No. Maxed out credit cards. I would, I would never. I cannot. Um, I don't even have a credit card. I don't believe in personal deficit spending um, unless it's something like um, a thing which is impossible to buy without incurring debt for, such as an education, a home, a car in some instances, other, other instances where people just don't have that much cash up front. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do not buy shoes that I cannot afford. <laughs> yeah. We use our credit card for veterinary appointments and yeah. things that like, if I know that it's a normal expense and I can pay it back the next day mm-hmm. just to get, get the credit experience and, uh, the REI dollars. I should, I should really have a credit card and I should do things like put my, um, monthly bills on it so that I can just pay them off like my Xfinity and my um, uh, electricity and things like that. Um, Small recurring payments that I could just pay off easily. But I don't. I don't even have it. Nope. (laughs) It's a lot of work. It's not that much work. I just don't want to do it. Well, it's about time to segue into Adventure Time. All right. With uh, It Came from the Nidosphere. I kind of let off the last conversation about the last show. Yeah. There's still so much of it left to watch. <laughs> I know. Um, so it came from the Nidosphere. I was, uh, Kingsley's looking at me. He wants to be let in. No, no. Um, I, um, I was actually kind of concerned for you when we were watching this episode because it deals with a um, father-daughter dynamic. It does. I mean, I like it for that reason. So Marceline is recording a song with Finn and um, he's like laying down a sick beat or whatever. And she asks Finn like not to laugh at her about it. And Finn is, you know, nice. So he wouldn't. And then it turns out that she is going to be singing a song about um, a frustration she has with her dad um, that she specifically, he ate her fries but um, I guess the overall concern is that he might not love her. Um, and so Finn, the uh, ever um, active hero, kind of tricks Marceline into summoning her dad. Yeah, her dad turns out to be like a kingpin demon. <laughs> yeah, and he is going to suck souls. Yeah. He immediately starts finding victims, and with the animation, this is just, it is increasingly upsetting. Uh, So he'll open his mouth as wide as his head to suck out somebody's soul, and like the bottom part of his mouth is sort of split into two clam-like mouths with two tongues and two sets of teeth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not like that. And then there's another vertical mouth in the back of his throat that is also talking. Um, And 
he takes back Marceline's axe that she has converted into a bass guitar. And she's now very upset about that. Um, and he won't give it back. And uh, I think that he says, like, since you won't talk to me, then I'm going to go suck souls. So he, like, opened the door and she's like, you know, no. Um, and then Finn is just upset that <laughs> at this point that he's sucking souls. Yes. And so he's trying to put a stop to it. Um, in the process, uh, more and more souls get sucked. Uh, Marceline's dad. Does he have a name? Uh, Hudson Aberdeen or Aberdeer. Do we hear that in this episode? I don't think so. Um, he gets uh, bigger and bigger. He has sucked the soul of a, what are they, soft people? Yeah. Soft people. <laughs> and then it, it, it roams the hill like a zombie and everyone's freaked out. <laughs> um, and, and then, um, gosh, I'm losing the plot about what, what happens next. Well, he just gets bigger and bigger and more transformed into a hideous, really gross monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, with little fish gill type sacks full of the souls that he sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, Finn's trying to, you know, kill him. And Marceline explains he can't kill him. And he says, oh, yeah, I know. Sorry, he's your dad. And she said, no, he's really undead. Yeah. He can't he's die. unkillable. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the little sacks of all the souls that he's killed, Lumpy Space Princess is there yeah. um, <laughs> uh, by choice. Yeah, because she didn't want to be left out of the party. <laughs> um, and then Marceline's dad gets, like, basically monstrous. And Marceline decides that she's just, like, going to leave the situation. And then Finn um, finds in his backpack the recorder that has the song that Marceline recorded about how she feels about her dad. And that puts a stop to both of them proceeding with um, Marceline leaving and her father sucking souls and they have a reconciliation. Yeah. But it's kind of one of those tenuous and uncomfortable moments Mm -hmm. that people so often have with their, it's like a slightly estranged parent. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just a lot of emotions for an 11 minute episode of a kid's show. Um, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> uh, in what context? In the context that I am estranged from my own parents right now? If you want to talk about that, um, I, this is a space where you can. I'm not going to make you. Yeah, so after the election, um, both my parents and my dad is a Muslim immigrant. Both my parents who are divorced. My mom's a hardcore Christian. Um, part of the big part of the reason it didn't work out uh, or, or both diehard 45ers um, so after the election it was really hard to talk to either of them but kind of kind of kept trying mm-hmm. uh, then after Charlottesville I decided that that's my red line 
and anybody who supports this does not get to have a normal life with normal familial relationships. Mm -hmm. So I texted my dad and said, do you still support everything this person does? And he said, yes. And that's the last time I talked to him. So with that, how, um, how does this episode make you feel? I mean, their, their conflict is somewhat superficial that uh, her dad ate her fries and they were cold. So he didn't even really like them anyway. Well, it's uh, really relatable. It kind of reminds me of the scene in the Royal Tenenbaums where Royal and Margot are out at an ice cream parlor. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are like these deep, deep, deep issues and he's trying to, like, order his daughter an ice cream. Mm-hmm. And that scene really makes me cry. In that scene, she asks, you don't even know my middle name. He said, that's a trick question. You don't have a middle name. And uh, she says her middle name is, oh, gosh. Helen, I think. Helen. And that was his mother's name. So imagine the... Um, distance you have to put between yourself and your child to not even remember their middle name when it's a name from your family yeah and I mean I think my dad's probably fine with uh how things have gone because I haven't heard from him also he's on a lot of pills at some point he may have this like glimpse of mortality that makes him realize that he's lost something maybe he's uh also lost his relationship with my brother and his wife and their little daughter my niece jasmine and uh they are preggy again uh, buff is due in august and they didn't tell either of our parents right away just because they didn't really want these people in their children's lives Mm -hmm. and then they eventually did tell our dad uh maybe our mom i don't know and he just said congratulations two days later so i'm a firm believer that friends are the family you choose and i will always say i'm your family when this type of thing comes up yes i am your wayward daughter yes and your platonic life partner it's very complicated and it works, mm-hmm. uh, right? Mm-hmm. It works. <laughs> We're uh, functional. Yeah, I mean, basically. You make me go to therapy and I make you not eat expired food. Um, Mostly. Yeah. About that? <laughs> Are you sick right now? <laughs> no, it's just allergies. But, I mean, I haven't stopped eating the expired food. You really should. It's not good. I know. But I'm basically okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the the Marceline and her dad relationship is is a I don't want to say fun, but whatever. It's a fun arc through the show to see how how that develops with each iteration that uh, Mr. Aberdeer is uh, introduced. And I and I think this is maybe the first. Um episode long glimpse into how this show can kind of you know have some emotional resonance and maybe kind of emotionally wreck people 
people uh, I don't think examine too much in children's shows, uh, you know, father dynamics like this. Mm-hmm. Not much of it anyway. So that's uh, kind of heavy. Yeah. But I mean, they end on a light note. Yeah. They're, they're basically fine, but it is, it's a thing. It's a big thing. Yeah. And the light note is that like, Jake has never not been in an episode. Oh, yeah. I liked this part. (laughs) Jake has not been in this episode. Jake has not been around this entire time when a stretchy dog would give you a real advantage. Mm -hmm. And you might not spot it, but Finn has a little pocket sewn onto his t-shirt for the first time ever. At the end, I think Marceline asks... Oh, yeah. Like, what's with your pocket, dude? And Finn said, oh, Jake's in there. (laughs) And he opens his pocket, and there's Jake, tiny, sleeping. And Jake just turns over and farts. (laughs) It's a perfect little end note. (laughs) So, yes. Oh, I just stepped on that tub of nail polish. Um... This this was a, I think, charming episode because it touched subject matter we hadn't really explored yet. Yes. I like the introduction of new characters. Uh, I always like Marceline episodes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's nice to have something that ends with, like, it's not a happy forever saccharine everything is fine episode. But it's that these two people who have not talked to each other for a long time have like this kind of painful moment of, of recognition. And uh, Finn ultimately summons, uh, unsummons her dad back to the nightosphere. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he is out of her hair for now. All right. And episode two, The Eyes. Now, I don't think we officially announced this, but we're in season two. Yes. Uh, and, and that was the first episode. And now this is season two, episode two, The Eyes. This is the one I've been really excited about. And I watched it after I got back from a weekend of camping. So I was even more excited about it. Were you, were you as tired as they were? Yes. And that is the thing that I love about this episode is that they're so tired (laughs) and this might not surprise you. After I left my home, I, it didn't ever make sense for me to invest in like a real bed or bedding. So I slept in a sleeping bag on the floor for a long, long time in various apartments So, like, seeing Finn jump into his sleeping bag and get so toasty and all snuggled up, it's, like, makes me feel relaxed in my chest and my spine. So, the premise of this one is that uh, Finn and Jake get home and they are so tired. And uh, Jake reminds them they've been up for basically seven days. And they regale the uh, things that they did, the acts of heroism. And the uh, lumpy space princesses, Quinceañera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, you guys made it. 
<laughs> uh, they saved Slime Princess from what was it like a ghost, a ghost ship, like um, a ghost pirate ship. Uh huh. And gosh, what else did they do? They fed a duck. Uh, they they saved. Uh, is it Wildberry Princess? Yes. Who was with the Ice King? <laughs> um. And he's like, I just want to be happy. <laughs> Which which comes back, um, but they oh, um, real quick. Just hmm. I'll forget it. Otherwise, in the previous episode, where Marceline's dad is saying to the Penguin Gunter, "Like you're the most evil creature in the universe," mm-hmm. that comes back way way later. Is Gunter evil? Gunter's not. You'll find out. Okay, I've stopped asking questions. Eventually, you'll find out. Cool. Because we're going to do this forever. So, yeah, I will. Um, so, yeah, so Finn and Jake are, are just so, so tired. Um, and they, uh, they crawl into their beds. Uh-huh. And uh, they are tossing and turning. They only give it a couple minutes before they're like, oh, I can't sleep. Well, that's because they... They sense that somebody's watching them, which mm-hmm. is not something you really want to try to sleep through. What and is happening? I am running some water to wash acetone off my hands. Good. <laughs> uh, they, they look outside the window and see a, a horse that I can only imagine is sort of modeled off of Kate Beaton's from Hark of Agrant, her uh, fat little right. pony. Yeah. I love Kate Beaton. Me too. I love her. Love her. Sorry. <laughs> um, so it's a purple pony, horse, whatever. It's standing on a hill and it's just staring. It doesn't do anything. It's just staring at them. Yeah, and they try all these comical things to like move the horse. They can't push it. It's like a crazy weight. Jake diagnoses, diagnoses the horse with mad poo brain. Mad puber. Which is why the horse is just staring and not reacting. And I think the only thing it does is make its pupils wider and stick its tongue out. And they, um, Jake tries moving it by getting really big and stretching his arm out and moving it like a football field length doesn't work. They put a blindfold on it. The eyes creep out from underneath the blindfold, <laughs> which is really kind of fucked up. The, uh, Jake Jake grabs his viola and his arm spells out yo. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> when it when it's calligraphies itself through the air to go get his viola from the treehouse. And he plays some Beethoven. That doesn't work to lure the horse away. And he says, How you'd like some Mozart. Mozart. So he plays some Mozart and it starts to lure snakes. Mm-hmm. So there are just tons and tons of snakes that are crawling up the hill towards for some reason Finn and not Jake and then Jake stops playing and the snakes start to wander away and then he starts playing and they start to run back to Finn <laughs> and so you've got these background snakes um, so they um, realize nothing is going to be done um, and they call forth some like vultures 
<laughs> yeah, they, or, they dress the horse up like a rabbit and make a big commotion to get some hawks to come down to take the bunny away. Mm-hmm. And they think they've succeeded. Are you? What are you? What's happening over there? Full Mo is drinking water. Oh, like it sounds good. Something like with a zipper is in a dryer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a rabbit. Just a rabbit. Um, <laughs> they think they're successful. The pony leaves. They go into bed. And then the horse gets dropped through their ceiling. <laughs> they will not be free of this horse. And they're circling around it. <laughs> Jake is hes so tired. He's just crying. <laughs> Who's not been that tired? Because, like, it is. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> he's just crying that. Like the horse is tearing us apart. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know, Finn says something and they hug. And Jake says, the horse is breaking us together. <laughs> He's still crying. <laughs> and then they have some kind of snip back and forth. And then Jake, who is still crying, says, the horse is tearing us apart again. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, without any other options available... Finn's like, I'm going to kick this horse in the butt. (laughs) And he does, and it sends like a ripple shockwave through the horse's body. You're like, oh my god, Finn, hero, just kicked that horse in the butt. In the (laughs) doo-doo. And and then the head comes off, and it turns out it was the dang ice king. (laughs) So they want to know why the ice king is doing this. And he wants to know how to be happy. Yeah, he sees them being happy and he just wants to know how to be happy. And all they did was talk about how to get a how to get rid of him. <laughs> um so it turns out the the horse was like an inflatable. And, and they uh, pretty much after a tussle fall asleep on either side of the ice king holding Finn's sword up to his throat. <laughs> <laughs> and the ice king thinks like maybe a good night's sleep will make me happy and before he he falls asleep uh and the and the boys are asleep on him he's like i'm still not happy and i'm like uh you didn't even give it a chance sir <laughs> so so what did you think of that episode um i thought it was uh very relatable because everyone can you know, understand what it is to be so tired. Um, and, and I thought it was delightfully weird. Yes. And, and I think I saw this episode a while ago. Um, cause I remember that horse, but I did not remember that it was the ice King. So that was kind of delightful. Um, to realize it wasn't just some like weird, uh, poo brain horse. <laughs> cause then like, that's a whole level of responsibility, right? Yeah. To take care of a poobering horse. <laughs> um, and I liked that they're, uh, they were so frustrated that they really dropped a lot of like, what the math is wrong. I'm so math and mad at this and like that type of stuff. Yeah. And I know that they, I know what words they meant with that. I just love seeing an episode of any show where the main premise is they're just, they're so tired. <laughs> we are we are so tired um there's a there's a screenshot of a comedy special that has been going around twitter and i'm not sure 
how the person giving this stand-up actually identifies. I don't want to make any assumptions, but the screenshot is that they're saying, I identify as tired. I'm just so <laughs> tired. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And I mean, we're all, we're all tired during these extremely fraught times, but there's, there's something that is almost precious about spending days and days tearing around during the day, swimming, boating, running around, staying up into the night around a fire, uh, and then waking up early the next morning to do it again for days and days and days, and then getting back to your own bed and going to bed and being all snuggled up. I can only partially relate i just i i love being that kind of exhausted i have been enjoying sleep lately because i've been having um some really cool dreams but i don't want to do the outdoor thing (laughs) at a time (laughs) i i don't blame you a fish touched my leg when i was swimming yeah for someone who loves the outdoors you don't um, super love being in water that you can't see through. Uh, I I have a little trouble with uh, standing water, mm-hmm. but I will go swimming in it. I will go boating on it, and I will go swimming in it. Be like rivers, mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ocean's pretty good. Don't turn your back. Don't turn your back because riptides. Yeah. Have you been caught in one before? Uh, no, but I knew somebody who lost his sister to Riptide. Hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Strong person, strong swimmer. Didn't make it. That's horrible. I think uh, of all the ways there are to die that I fear, because there are so many ways to die, but there are only a few that I actually, like, like think about and, like, keep me from falling asleep sometimes. Um, I think one of them would be falling to my death and the other would probably be drowning. Cause I, I think at some point um, you are still in a realization of what's about to happen to you in both of those situations before you actually meet your end. Um, and I would rather not see it coming, I think. So uh, it's fire is mine. That is so unlikely to happen I know but it's still mine oh that's not how I want to go no that sounds terrible too what were we talking about adventure talking about how it's it's delightful to be that kind of exhausted oh yeah standing water yeah yeah I swung my legs down to tread water and a fish touched me (laughs) a fish touched me in my knee pit in your knee pit. Yes. I didn't like it, so I swam back to shore. Um, is there anything else to say about this episode? Uh, just, uh, It's really gratifying to have finally watched it and talked about it on the show. Good. Because I've been talking about this one like since our first episode. Really? I think so. I don't I've been thinking that. about it. Oh, well, that's different. And talking about it. I've mentioned it several times. I don't remember that. I don't remember either. 
but I know it's happened. I can't verify it because I don't listen to this podcast. You easily could. I don't want to. Speaking you already of... make me watch Sex in the City. Why would I have to listen to people talking about it? Oh, because you're vain? No. You're not vain. No. But speaking of people who listen to this, even though they sh- clearly shouldn't, um, let's do shout outs. Shout out to Call to Safety, formerly the Women's Portland, Portland Women's Crisis Line. I was going to do shout outs to listeners. Shout out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Links will be provided on Twitter. Yes, after you send them to me again. Um, shout out to um, every country that's not this one. Shout out to Canada. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Azores, which are in Portugal, which is where we're going to retire. Mm-hmm. It will be great. And shout out to Kate. Mm-hmm. Emily. So we just mm-hmm. like do a rote recital of all the five people who listen to us. Keep going. Kate, Emily, Lisa, Will, Taylor. Chelsea, Sam, Kristen. Shout out. That's like eight people. If I were good at math, I wouldn't have this job. This is an event. I would job. have a math job. It would be so math. Oh boy. <clears throat> um, pop culture plugs? Uh, yeah, visual chatbot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you should explain what happened today because it was great. Yes, visual chatbot is a sort of AI that will let you, you upload a photo, uh, any kind of image that you want to it, and it will take a few seconds and gen- generate a caption. And I, we can post these too. I uploaded a photo of the most beautiful guinea pig in the world, Bonnebel, standing in front of some Christmas lights, photo I took a couple years ago. And after a moment, visual chatbot said, it is a small brown teddy bear on a table. So I tried a more obvious picture of a guinea pig, with his head and his little legs sticking out. And it said, it is a cat and a toothbrush on a table. <laughs> and I said, are there any guinea pigs? No. What color is the toothbrush? White. <laughs> um, and these are part of an a AI type of science that is uh, created by neural networks. And I think right? so. I don't know how the bots are, are taught, uh, but I, I imagine it's something like that. Uh, and you have some experience working on um, projects that pertain to neural networks because you got in touch with someone who is a computer scientist who works with them to help generate uh, neural network created guinea pig names for a lot of the adoptees in your your organization. PGPR was on Gizmodo. I fucking love science. And smithsonianmag.com. Um, and it was fantastic. And we were, Very on, we were on the local news, which is how 
a friend of mine who does this knows that I need media coaching and offered to give me some free media coaching if this ever happens again. Thanks for the vote of confidence, whoever that was. Hey, I didn't look great. I looked like I wanted to die. Just your face. <laughs> um, pop culture plug for me. Um, a few weeks ago, I binge watched the entire first and second season of Rick and Morty on Hulu. And it looks like they just added the third season. So I've been watching that. And I've been enjoying the heck out of it. Cool. I've been playing with Visual Chatbot. You could do both at the same time. Good. I've seen all Rick and Morty, though. Yeah, but a rewatch is always fun. I'm already rewatching DS9. I just watched the Pickle Rick episode. Overrated. Is it? Yeah. It's pretty funny. It, it is funny. It's I like the depiction of therapy in it. Yeah. That, that is a bummer. Um, but good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and shout out to Jill Nail Polish for making me look like I have my shit together. I have nothing else. Guess what color I'm painting my nails right now? Purple and blue and pink. Nope. Is that just the bi pride flag? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when we we had a we had a an intercultural communication um, class on Friday, and we um, did kind of like this uh, icebreaker exercise where we went around and talked about varying degrees of our identity, and we started kind of superficially like I work at blah blah blah, but that doesn't mean blah blah blah. So like negative stereotypes that you might associate that with that. So like I'm an administrative coordinator, but that doesn't mean I'm someone's secretary or something like that. And then we got like gradually down, like I'm an American, but that doesn't mean that I'm like, um, a war I don't know, monger. a warmonger. And then, um, we had to talk about our sexual identities and I, um, don't often talk about mine, at least not like out in public but uh so it felt very 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 um weird but kind of liberating to say out loud like i am bisexual um and i said i am bisexual but that doesn't mean that i'm um greedy and it doesn't mean that i can't make up my mind (laughs) so yeah or indecisive or whatever i said anyway i don't know why i'm talking about this but (laughs) because i so what color are you painting your nails Oh, and I'm, and I, um, I am not painting them by pride color. <laughs> I am, I am bisexual, but I don't need to put those colors on my nails all the time. <laughs> so wrong. Anyway. What color are you painting your nails? Gold. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? Because I had to ask you three times what color you're painting your nails. And I wanted to talk about my sexuality instead. (laughs) You started that. Okay. No. Um, Anyway, anything else you want to add for the greater good? No. Okay. (laughs) Um, Thanks for listening. This has been very emotionally exhausting. I know. (laughs) And it's not just because of of me this time. (laughs) Um. 
Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Sex Time Pod, and we will engage with every Twitter follower. The only person who talks to us is Tyler. Taylor. Taylor. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. Oh Tyler's my god. A, Tyler's another bag of snakes. <clears throat> um, at Sex Time Pod, just hit us up there. He's gonna stop talking to us after this. No, he won't. Sorry, you like. Because you like Airbender. Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again because that's how this pact with the devil works. And um, we'll talk about these things more and more. Thanks for listening to us, no one. Thanks. Bye.